This is Relationship, a podcast presenting a gay look at traditional relationships and values. With your hosts, the Cretellis. I'm Marco. And I'm Tony. When I grow up, I want to be famous, I want to be a star, I want to be in movies. When I grow up, I want to see the world, drive nice cars, I want to have groupies. When I grow up, be on TV, people know me, be on magazines. When I grow up, fresh and clean, number one chick when I step out on the scene. Be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. You just might get it. You just might get it. Be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. You just might get it. You just might get it. I was waiting for the Nicki Minaj blink. (laughs) Oh, okay, you're done. (laughs) Oh, I love that song so much. Oh, hello. (laughs) Hiya. I love that song so much. I like woke up this morning with that song stuck in my head and I was like, guess what the peoples is going to get when I record? (laughs) Because that song is Earthang. 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 How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm speaking to some of you from the kind of future and then from the very future (laughs) okay which doesn't make any sense some of you guys are hearing this on wednesday which means that i've already had my sinus surgery some of you are hearing this on monday which means i haven't had it yet (laughs) so it just it just depends um it's a whole thing thing it is a whole thingy thing but hopefully Ooh. you're going to feel real better real soon. Yeah. Maybe it'll change my voice. I doubt think. it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll make my voice sound more like this. I don't know. think so. <laughs> Didn't change it last time you had the surgery. No, it did not. I still have my range. Uh, which is good. <laughs> Dumb. How are you feeling about Earthang? Good, good. I am. Uh, I am excited. Big changes for us. Huge, um, huge. So, huge. I got a gigantic promotion. Um, huge. Yep. So I'll still be with the government, but now I'll be the director of quality improvement over a very substantial region here in New York, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I've and... always wanted to be with a director, <laughs> sexually, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then also uh as a you know need to cover that region we bought a car a vehicle a vehicle her name is moira after moira rose moira's roses garden <laughs> moira's uh, roses Morado. yes she's Platinum. so cute <laughs> yeah so tony and i are toot toot beep beeping around new york these days which mm-hmm. is awesome yep i get to become part of that Opposite side of the street culture parking uh, when the street sweepers come in. So that'll be interesting. Have never yeah, done that weird. before, but I hear all the time people saying I'm I'm in this meeting in my car waiting for the street sweeper to come so I can move my car. I always thought that was weird. Now we're going to do it. Now you're going to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah. So we, the Gratellis are moving on up like the Jeffersons. <laughs> well, we technically already moved on up. Yeah. I mean, we've had a big year so far. Yeah. We've yeah. had a very big new, new, new apartment, apartment. Redecorating. Well, decorating that apartment, although it's redecorating because you did it twice. Um, the job, the car, now now being vaccinated, able to have visitors, which is great. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be, it's already been and will continue to be a hell of a year. A hell of a year. Thank mm-hmm. you. I mean, look, I'm not going to say that COVID was good for us. No, but she, she wasn't. 
we because she wasn't she was terrible but i will say that we have been beyond blessed and in a good way with despite COVID, like despite covid mm-hmm. yep yeah because you know none of us lost our jobs mm-hmm. everybody was able to you know survive mm-hmm. um and everybody was doing decently and well we did lose some people but it wasn't to covid we, we did, did lose some people we over did the last lose year some people mm-hmm. yeah yeah but all in all it's been pretty good so it's exciting Mm-hmm. So excited. Tony's learning how to drive in New York, which I did pretty good. You did do well. I did pretty good. It's been a huge fear of mine. Um, and I always said, and there's no way I want to drive in New York. And, you know, at least a little bit each week, I'm going to have to uh, mm-hmm, for work. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but I did. I drove I drove two hours. Uh, I drove, you know, around parts of the city. I drove through the city. And then even during the day, the next, well, not the next day, but I even drove uh, some some during the day, some at night. So, you know, it was good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very proud of you. Thanks. thanks. Good job, I think, Mr. I think I think I'll be fine. Good job, Director Critelli. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. very excited for you. Um, yeah, so it's been good. That's what's been going on. Again, sinus surgery, new car. Your family's coming dream. to visit. Yeah, my brother and my sister. So your mom and your aunt already came, like, and that was wonderful. Yeah. And now your brother and your sister and your sister's boyfriend are coming. Fully vaccinated group. Correct. Um, coming and hanging out with us. So that'll be Wunderbar, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm excited and looking forward to it. I'm excited. Things are starting to look somewhat normal. Um, you still have to be safe, but it's nice to like, yeah, be able to have people over and yeah. use that spare bedroom and have people from out of town and you know, like I said, not feel like you're putting them at normal. risk. Mm-hmm. Somewhat normal. I'm not gonna like no, but it's nice to see people face to face. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Well, let's hop into our hashtag G- uh, QRGs this week. He'll we- get it one day, y'all. One day. What do you think about that? (laughs) As a reminder, every week, Tony and I will pick a wonderful queer couple and highlight them as our hashtag queer relationship goals. Our hope is to bring these relationships to the forefront and give a sense of positivity and perspective to the queer relationship narrative. If you and your partner are interested in becoming our hashtag queer relationship goals, or if there is a queer relationship that you admire and would like to bring to our attention, please reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Our handle is at pod relationship. Tony and I will take a look at these photos and posts and could potentially highlight you and your partner on an episode of the podcast. So this week, our, uh oh, on this week, our, please ignore me. <laughs> Instagram was uh, acting up for Mark me. I forgot to turn his phone down. Well, no. Yeah. Well, that's part of it. Yeah. yeah um, that's all of it, in fact. Whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this week, we are highlighting uh, a beautiful story that I was made aware of. I don't remember exactly how. Um, but it's this cute story about a couple that got engaged when the nurse part of the couple was vaccinating the EMT part of the couple. Um, and it's a beautiful video that you can watch on Upworthy uh, on Instagram. Um, but it was they, also featured in People Magazine. It's also featured in People Magazine. The Valentine's Day edition. If you really want to get to know them, follow them on Instagram and you can follow the relationship of Eric Vanderlee. He is at EJV as in Victor L. And then his loving partner is Robbie, Robbie Vargas. Vargas. And you can follow him on Instagram as well. He is at RRV as in Victor C07 on Instagram as well. Um, such cuties. 
Total cuties. Total cuties. I don't know who I love more, all their animal families or the two of them. Yeah. Well, first of all, like they aren't they like a part of an animal sanctuary? There's an animal sanctuary. There's a there's a farm-ish aspect. I don't know if it's their farm, but there's yeah. definitely a lot, lot, lot of animals. I would say that once you put goats on it, which he's got a goat uh, mm-hmm. with a baby goat, mm-hmm. um, or I should say they do. But once you throw in the goat or the donkey or the pig, or the any pig, of those, like, those then you, that's a farm. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're located in South Dakota um, mm-hmm. and they have Double V Ranch Animal Sanctuary. Um, but even beyond that, they have an adorable relationship that i'm absolutely absolutely in love with mm-hmm. they are just so cute together there's so much love um there's so many smiles mm-hmm. and that is what i like absolutely like the most <laughs> um if, whether again whether it's the love of animals or love for one another it just it's just love amazing. of children their love of children they're just mm-hmm. love there's just nothing but love and it's mm-hmm. just so wonderful to see um it looks like they've been together for some time and which is another thing that i love a lot is like seeing the progression of love right mm-hmm. where you see like what i like to call their baby pictures right like the baby <laughs> relationship picture and then like how it progresses um from there i just think it's it's just so cute yeah yeah and all the all the hiking and all the again just the laughing and like the sweetness and it's it's beautiful their love story is beautiful the engagement is beautiful like this is um i get why this went viral and got picked up by mainstream media like this yeah. is cool yeah, like you have to go to Upworthy and watch it. Um, they give a wonderful interview just about the the you know they even the, show the the proposal. They show the Parts proposal, mm-hmm. um, but they also show you like they um both Eric and Robbie, mainly Eric, talks about uh the importance of being vaccinated and COVID, how COVID has deeply affected his family, um, and the importance of the vaccination to him. Um, and, and why he thinks it's like super important and how like this vaccination kind of gives them hope for the future of their like, you know, engagement and their marriage and, and being able to plan a big wedding and like be able to do the things that they want to do. So I'm obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you all will be obsessed with them as, as well. Um, so make sure you follow them on Instagram again. Eric Vanderly is E. J V as in Victor L on Instagram. That's at E J V L. And then you can also follow Robbie Vargas on Instagram as well. He is at R R V as in Victor C as in cat zero seven. That's at R R V C zero seven on Instagram as well. Uh, we love them. We think you'll love them too. Check them out. Let us know what you think. We'll talk to you all very soon we're going to take a quick break but we'll be right back in just a bit to Ta-ta solve for the now. world's problems Cretelli style booyah i think you all know that i'm not much for the social medias if you've listened to the podcast for a single second then you know tweeting and trending are foreign concepts to me oh yes babe we are all very much so aware of your aversion to anything that even remotely resembles a hashtag or dm although i've done a hashtag once okay mm-hmm. yep, I, rem- I, I remember mm. <laughs> but i do know that relationship has some amazing content on twitter instagram and facebook and that is all thanks to my husband because i want no part of it <laughs> well thank you i think <laughs> yes you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook we are at pod relationship on all social media platforms there you can check out our hashtag queer relationship goals for the week you can be inspired by some of our queer quotes and 
and corresponding song lyrics. You can also read reviews, catch a glimpse of us, and even check out the week's guests. So head to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and follow us. We are at Pod Relationship on all platforms. We look forward to your double taps and comments, even though I don't know what the heck that means. <laughs> Just quit while you're ahead. You got it. <laughs> You know, they say third time's a charm. They do say that. They and I don't know who they are, um, but apparently they have the whole thing, <laughs> which is fascinating to me. <laughs> um, so for the third time, Tony and I are hitting on <laughs> each other. Yay! Um, no, we're uh, tackling uh, each other. <laughs> We are tackling interracial dating um, and being in interracial relationships uh, of that nature, um, mainly because uh, a lot's been going on in our world, um, and especially this country, um, regarding race and things of that nature. And we kind of just wanted to try to not so dramatically talk about it. We'll try to find the humor in this topic if we can. Um, but a lot of it is not very humorous, truth be told. It's very... And- sad and hard and also we're talking about it again because there's almost nothing important that can be completed in one conversation absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely um so yeah so we're gonna tackle this uh again so my first question for you because you know i always like to open it with a question is regarding race and everything that's been going on in this country Tell me how you're feeling uh, for me, about me, about us, all of that. Ooh, about all that. Yeah. So, I mean, for those who don't know a a brief history of my whiteness, (laughs) um, total white privilege, total white ignorance, um, total whitewashed. Totally white. um, Just very white. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And had, had, was completely oblivious um, and thought it was okay to say things like, I don't see race. Thought it was okay to be quietly anti-racist. And from some experiences, uh, in particular over the last couple of years, uh, for sure, um, I've become much more actively anti-racist. I've been trying to to learn um, and to be uh, a better... ally uh and to to really not put the work on anyone other than my fellow whites um and just listen to conversations you have with other black people watch documentaries really educate myself i mean the more i learn about the history the more i'm like wow like they didn't teach me that on purpose like this is clearly Mm. systemic um Mm -hmm. these facts exist and no one talks about them that's a thing. I mean, I, I've worked in social work my entire life, so I knew about racial disparities and the need for racial equity. I knew about redlining and how you can lay, you can literally lay maps over the redlining and see where crime is, where psychiatric hospitalizations are, where poverty is. Like it's that I always knew, but the the other pieces of it and the extent of it, um, it was just massive. I would say most recently, since the last time we talked about this, I've had a couple of really strong. Uh, moments. One was when your brother called you and was talking about how he was feeling about some things that were in the news that day. And I was like, oh, I've accepted that. Like, I take on like the fear of what's going to happen to you and the struggle that you have. And even though it makes sense that it's what all black people have, I'm like, oh, I owe it to my new brother and sister and to my new parents. And like, I owe it to all of them to like, 
like share whatever I can uh, of that with them as well. And so it was like, I need to be checking in with them too. I need to be like, you know, helping them if I can, you know, I need to do, you know, whatever it is I can do, not in a white savior sort of way, but in a family kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like this is something else that is going on with them too. And I should be um, sensitive to it and supportive of it. And again, just try to uh, learn. Um, that was a big one. Also, as I mentioned earlier, we just bought a car. Um, and in the car buying process, two things happened. One was Marco's name needs to be on this because if he ever gets pulled over and his name isn't on it, that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And that was something I had never thought of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing was as we were driving home, it was very windy and very late and the car was moving not outside of its lane. But it was definitely like doing a little bit of veering to the right mm-hmm. frequently enough to where I called Marco and I was like, are you okay? Are you tired? Like, is it the wind? Like, what's going on? And my concern was we had a, so we had to drive two hours to another state to get this car because mm-hmm. um, it was just the right car and we didn't want to get anything local because there wasn't anything as good. Mm-hmm. And the entire two hours back, I was like, anytime someone got in between us, I was like, I have to hurry and like get like move them out from in between us because if anything happens to Marco, I need to pull over too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need to be like, I wouldn't sandwich. I had actually thought about this. I like, wouldn't sandwich myself in between you and the officer because that would just make the officer feel, you know, threatened, threatened in some mm-hmm, way. But mm-hmm. I would pull up in front of you. Um, and I would, you know, and I would put on my hazards and I would be on the phone with you. And then I would make movements from the car from there, mm-hmm. uh, whether that was, you know, you tell the officer who I am and that I'm getting out to mm-hmm. join you or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but I had I had to think about that the whole way home. And I was mm-hmm. like, he is engaging in completely normal behavior because, again, it was very windy, but it did appear as though you were veering a little bit again, never out of your lane, but definitely like trying to stay in the middle and veering the slightest bit to the right. And I'm like, someone could pull him over for that if they really wanted mm-hmm. to. And so that was a thing for it's me as well. Funny you say that because like the entire time I was driving, I was like, if I get pulled over, like, how is Tony going to respond? Like, is he going to like pull up behind the cop? Like, yeah, no, I thought about it. I would not me. sandwich the cop in the uh, the entire. I was like thinking about that the entire time. And yeah, do you remember how passionate I was about uh, about my name being on the registration? I was like, mm-hmm. I have to be like, I ha- like. Mind you, it's both of our finances that are paying for this car, right? right? Like we, like our household is is paying for the car and all of that stuff. But the the fact of the matter was that I was, I I was I can't say the word vehemently. Oh, I kind of said it you, right. You did say it actually. I hate that word. Well done. Um, <laughs> vehemently and intermittently. He those are like, like very hard words for me to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> um. I it I, it was imperative that I was on the registration because again I was like if I get pulled over I don't want anything to happen that would cause uh any uh cops or uh, local or anybody to like think that uh the car didn't belong to me. Well, and people I'm sure were getting annoyed with me because literally I would say right in the beginning, I'm like, and our names have to appear on everything. Mm -hmm. And even the insurance guy was like, okay, so I'll mail you out your cards. And I said, no card singular. There is one card. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It has both our names on it. Because he was like, I'll mail one for Marco, I'll mail one for you. I'm like, no, they both need to say both of us. Mm -hmm. One for me, one for you, Mm -hmm. one for the car, like for sure. But they they both need to say both of us. I want nothing with one person's name on it. Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. 
No. Um, so no, the loan, both our names, the registration, both our names, when the title is ours, both our names, mm-hmm. the insurance, both our names, mm-hmm. like no, everything, everything needs to be both our names. It was very important. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. things are crazy. And again, we li- live in this world in which, you know, my race, m- you know, me being a black man in America is, um, can be weaponized and then is also insanely uh it's uh it's so challenging right and it's like challenging in a way that is just not healthy like Mm -hmm. it's challenging in a way that is scary it's it's like challenging that like you again you just don't know whether or not your your partner is gonna come home or be safe or like all i can think about we were watching that episode of gray's anatomy Mm. And remember Maggie's uh, oh, new fiance mm-hmm. is like coming in and he gets pulled over and she was like freaking out trying to call him and, and like get him on the phone. And he was like so terrified um, the entire time. And he like kept them, kept Maggie on uh speaker and then the fucking cop decided to like. Oh, I definitely, I definitely daydreamed about that. And I was like, what would I do if we were in that situation? And I would look at the, I knew exactly what I would say. And this is totally white privilege, but this is absolutely what I would say. No, we're not failing to comply. You're asking something ridiculous. <laughs> or you're asking something that quite literally I know my rights. Yeah, and you my, don't have the right to do. I, so I'm not failing I to comply. Have, you're exercising effort you don't have. I have. The, and that's the problem is that cops believe that oftentimes and oftentimes people don't know their rights. Mm-hmm. And it is you are one, you 100% have the right to have another person on the line as a second form of of verification on what is going on. Well, I can of- also sit here and refuse to do anything with you until a judge issues a warrant. Yeah. I can literally refuse to roll my window down. Yeah. I don't recommend it. <laughs> no, because it, it will make things like super combative. <laughs> yeah. But again, like, no. And and again, black people don't know that. Like, and again, you, one of the things you should do is always have a, a friend that is a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And you can quite literally say, I cannot answer your questions until I have my lawyer uh, either present or on the phone. And you are allowed to say that to a cop. And cops don't believe that. And they, again, they become bullies. They say that you're not complying and then all this other stuff. And it's like really bad. But yeah, those things are terrifying. And I feel, I feel sorry. (laughs) I feel sorry for you sometimes because I'm like, oh my God, poor guy. Like I'm dumping all of this um, racial uh, uh, agitation on Tony. Like everything that's going on within this country. Like I feel like he is... um, he is having to shoulder it and there's a part of me that's like good Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know because white people should feel uncomfortable and should have to shoulder some of this stress as well um and then there's another part of me that's like like that's like you know uh it's you i wouldn't want to burden even if you were a black person i just wouldn't want to have to burden somebody with all of the chaos that uh is, you know that kind of goes on with me on a day-to-day basis because that is no it's not comfortable it's not fun it's not sexy there's nothing about it that is like ooh la la like give me some of it it's like it, it's hard like all of it is it tough. can be those things though because you are sharing in the most vulnerable and intimate part of each other yeah so it can be and yeah. and that needs to be a thing too like it's it goes beyond the the whole being comfortable with being uncomfortable thing, and it's like actually learning to love that uncomfortability and being that that refuge for each other. 
yeah. and bearing some of the burden. What, what you can, I mean, as a white cisgender man, there are just things that I'm never going to be able to know or understand, but I will do my best to listen, to educate myself, to not stand in the way or to not be prejudiced myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll even put an effort to change other people and to change the world if I can. Mm-hmm. I definitely will. But the, mm-hmm. the, none of that changes the fact that there are just some things I will never understand. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the most important part, right? Is that like, you won't understand it. You never will understand it. So to try to ignore it as though or to it, say it doesn't exist or to say it doesn't exist because it's never been your experience mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Right. Like I've never seen a million That's kind dollars of the definition of of ignorant. Yeah, it's so stupid. I've never physically seen a million dollars, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I know that millions of dollars are like circulating in our world on a day to day basis, but just because it's not in my bank account or I've never like physically seen it does not mean that it is not a part of the world. Mm -hmm. So I cannot sit up here and act like it doesn't exist. I have to like live in a world in which it exists and, 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 you know, understand that people, millionaires that do have millions of dollars, you know, are are ex- have those experiences with them, and that is their experience with them. So when they're buying yachts and doing, I'm not look. I'm not saying that racism is a, is as sexy as buying a yacht, um, but um, you know, th- those things exist. So um, I say all that to say it's been it's been very tough and I've been emotionally affected by everything that's going on in the world. I cried uh, at the George Floyd um, verdict, the, the Derek Chauvin verdict, oh, Derek, I should yeah, say. Um, yeah, I, I cried. I was I was very emotional because um, I like I was emotional because I didn't think that it would happen. And that is where the problem I knew it would out. happen. I'm worried about the appeal process. Me, me too, 100. percent Um, but I, I, I knew it would happen. But my issue was, I there was uh, the part of me that believed that it would happen was less than the part that thought he would potentially get away with it. There were three counts that he was charged for, and I was convinced that. Not all three. I I thought he would get maybe one of them, mm. and then the other. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I thought that there yeah. would be something that would happen that would mean that it wasn't actual justice, right? That it was just partial justice, and that is a sad part. So I cried because I was like, "Holy shit!" Like it actually did happen, and then, um, and then I got angry, <laughs> um, because I uh. Like, I think a lot of people want to live in a, in a way that makes them believe that this is like actual justice. Like, this is like woohoo. Like, we're on, like, on an upward trajectory. And, um, the fact of the matter is this is like not even like this is monumental, but this is like n- not even the start of it. Like, this one ruling is not going to like, make all of the other fuck shit that's been taking place over centuries i agree with that i agree with that i agree with the stance that this is not as it's not a as big of a victory as people are making out to be because the true victory would be if it never happened in the first place Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um that's the real victory however i do disagree i think you have to look at human nature and human history whether it is white people in power or anyone it takes it takes a lot to actually change something. And I don't want to downplay the importance of 
the the fact that like white people are getting involved and people are becoming educated and, and the history is becoming known. And there was finally a conviction, right? Like that's, that's a big thing. It's like saying that the ruling around um, gay marriage, it wasn't important. It, it is, it is, there's still a long way to go. There's still a long way to go, but it's, it is part of how the, it is part of how change occurs. And you have to, you have to me, you have to recognize those milestones again, not, not just on the topic of racism, but anything, any, the, the movement of technology, the industrial revolution, like just, just electricity, like it's just how we are. We take so long to do things that are so obviously right. And it sucks. And it's true. I look, I'm not not waxing negativity on the situation because I 100% know and understand that uh, this is huge. It's, it's, it's monumental. It's important. It, it's, it's important. So I'm not denying that my issue is that um, there are so Philando Castile, Mike Brown, like yeah. Trayvon Martin, like all of these are cases in which Eric Garner well, are cases in honest, which it the was to come after this. Yeah, I mean, fucking Brianna Taylor, like these mm. are all cases in which police have murdered black people and still managed to on camera and still managed to get away with it. And so, yes, you're right. It is progress. And sometimes progress is is, is slow. And I 100% agree on that. <laughs> but, but at the same time, it's like, yay for this. But like, what about justice for everyone else? Like, Correct. right? Like, Correct. Like, yeah. so many other people had to die because these fucking rulings like these like these people mm -hmm. decided to like not do it so uh, again it's and and of course that affects our relationship right because i and i find myself i'm trying i don't know that i ever blame you for all the white issues that are going on in this world i've n never physically blamed like it, it's never been a thing for me but i will say that like there comes a point in time in which i feel like i can't talk to you about certain things because you just like it takes time to explain things to you to then get to the part where i have to actually have a conversation with you about mm -hmm. it and mm -hmm. so sometimes i don't want to have that long conversation with you sometimes i just want to say what i need to say with someone that fully understands what's going on um and i don't appreciate that like i don't like that um but at the same time i do know that i need to I'm not necessarily getting ready to educate all white people out there, but like you are my husband. And so educating you on some things is not a bad thing, you know? Yeah. There is a fatigue that comes from it and it's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It, it, mm -hmm. It's a lot. It, mm -hmm. It's so, there's just so much going on right now. Um, and it's, it's hard. It's just very difficult to deal with. We read a couple of articles. The first one I actually really enjoyed um, and it's from the Huffington Post. And it is, this is what it's like for interracial couples in America right now, uh, written by Brittany Wong. Um, and it was written last year in 2020. Um, it's not specifically queer, but it is about interracial couples in general. It is. And, and there very, is queer representation in the study. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. And there are, they spoke with mainly three uh, interracial couples. Um, most of them, have, well, the three that they spoke with were uh, interracial, uh, heterosexual couples. Um, but essentially, they just kind of talked about 
like what's going on in their households and and having the conversations and what it feels like and one of the things i liked is like the first couple um the the female in the um the uh, relationship said that like every single time her husband christy every single time her husband james kind of leaves the house like she there's like this new element of fear um that has kind of always existed but like things are like really intense right now so like there's a little bit more stress a little bit more anxiety that is associated with it hmm. which i thought i was like this is very real i loved that they spoke um they talked about twitch who if you all watched so you think you can dance you know twitch because he um was the winner of of the the first episode um but he has a gorgeous wife named alice allison um who i follow i follow them on instagram um, but they're great but they did um what uh, a lot of tiktokers have been doing apparently there was the check your privilege challenge mm-hmm. um and essentially they it was this interesting thing where they asked a bunch of questions like put a finger down if you've had fear in your heart when stopped by police or put a finger down if you've been following a followed in a store unnecessarily or put a finger down if you've been called a racial slur um and by the end of it there's 12 questions and uh twitch had ran out of fingers Fingers. uh you know by the end of it and it wasn't until the very last question which allison was able to put her finger down and it was put a finger down if you've ever had to teach your child how not to get killed by the police and that was that was the only finger it was the only that was the only finger that she put down Mm -hmm. yeah and it's because she had a biracial child who's four um but if you've been in a black household Mm -hmm. you've had that conversation probably as soon as you could start comprehending things so three four five years old is you know all of the the very least around the age when you could start going out to do things on your own like even riding your bike up and down the block correct yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. So, or being in public and holding your hands, you know, with you know, with your parent and stuff of that nature, yeah. like that conversation about, you know, if the police stop you or if the police say something to you, it's yes sir, it's no sir, do not talk back, like all that stuff, which is crazy. It's interesting. I did. Um, I used to. Well, I still do. There's a um, an equity exercise that I do, and literally, it's at the beginning. Everyone is standing in the middle of the room in a perfectly straight line. And I ask questions that are around privilege. And when you answer yes to the privilege, you step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's around racism. And when you're, when you say yes to those things, you have to step backward. And then at the end of it, I say, okay, I have a job or I have access to education or I have whatever it is. Like I have the ability to, to generate wealth for you in some way or to achieve your goals. First person to get to me gets to have it. And of course, all the white people get there first because mm-hmm. they had all the privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, and so it's kind of the same thing with the, the putting the fingers down and it's so powerful and it resonates with people. And I think one of the things in this article that really resonated for me was there is, there is the concept of racism, which a lot of white people interact with sometimes, but then there's actually the practice, right? There's the, mm-hmm. the practical piece and driving it home. And I know for me, that's what was missing until I married you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so exercises like that, I think really do drive it home. And I think that's, I think that's a big part of the struggle right now is to dispel this idea um, that, that it's just an idea. Right. Right. Um, and I think for me, the, like the quote that really stood out in this article was about like, why, why people react so strongly when others protest. Um, And they literally say racism is so embedded into the American way of life that when people protest it, they think you're protesting America. Mm -hmm. And that, like, I just got the chills just reading that again. Like Mm -hmm. that just hit me so hard. It's like, yes, that's actually what the issue is, is that it's so embedded 
that people think you're un-American. And it's like, no, I love America. I don't love this part of America. And it's so prevalent. It's easy to see why you would think that I'm anti-American or un-American because of it, um, I, but even which if was you, just powerful. But even if you are protesting America, so the fuck what? Like, you can like because there are a lot of things that happen or have happened within this country that are just not great for all and we do a lot of things and we try to pretend that it's great for all this is the greatest country in the entire world but you don't know that for everyone some mm-hmm. people are in this country and it is a good country right like we have a lot of freedoms and things are great but they are struggling and they're having hard times and everything is not equitable for them Mm -hmm. and it's super challenging so yes i can protest i should be able to protest this country and the things that are happening because it's not across the board rainbows and unicorn farts like it, it it's not across the board that way and just because you tad have had a wonderful um successful um non uh challenging or problematic life doesn't mean that this person over here is having the exact same experiences as you are and Mm -hmm. so check your privilege and understand that like yes i yes maybe i am you know protesting racism in america but also i'm also protesting america and the fact that america is allowing all of this racism to exist yeah and that is okay as well i can be angry about that Mm -hmm. that is not a problem um, and it's obviously not been your problem, so I don't understand why you're having an issue with this. The other thing I really enjoyed about this article is they were talking about, because I think they were talking with um the stunning couple of um Michael and Freelancy. I think I'm saying her last name right, but she's from Zambia, and uh Michael is a white man. And I think they had mentioned, I'm almost certain it was with them, but they had mentioned the fact that like the family doesn't necessarily know what to say. So they kind of exist in this way in which they're talking about day-to-day things as if all of these things that are not uh, happening around them, (laughs) like all this Hmm. racism and these issues that affect his wife directly, but they're not going to talk about it. Like they're just going to kind of act as though everything's normal everyone's fine it's not a big deal like life is fine like we're not going to acknowledge those things and it's kind of interesting i've had a couple of conversations with family members of yours but like i didn't get your like i no one was like calling me and checking in with us Mm -hmm. um we had friends that were doing that Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think no, you're like I was not receiving phone calls. And look, I you know, I love your family, and sometimes they're uncomfortable and those things are, you know, hard for them to uh bring up. And and I can understand that. Um but to a certain is, extent. That is why the, the challenge at hand is to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Correct. Because this is uncomfortable and you don't know what to say and you don't want to make a mistake and you don't want to offend someone. But all that's doing is allowing this to continue and quite frankly, to grow Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in spite of all the efforts that everyone else is making and the highly publicized and now immediately viewable concrete proof that it's an issue. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's not, that's not okay. That is our challenge. We have to become mm-hmm. comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I, I wasn't getting conversations, you know, or phone calls from any, like a, a good portion of your family, like to, and we're in an interracial couple and your family loved me 
And yeah, no, like I wasn't, no one was like checking in with us <laughs> and seeing how we were doing. And, and it's okay. I like, listen, I don't need white people checking in on other white people. <laughs> mm. Like being married to you is not a, it doesn't put me at a deficit. Um, so I don't check in with me, but do check in with my husband. But I also think that they should check in. I mean, yes, definitely check in with me. Absolutely. But I do think that they should check in with you as well. Like check in with you guys. Like, well, as I, well, but yeah, not just like, me. Yeah, no, no, no. Not, not <laughs> that's specifically not okay. <laughs> you. No, 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 no. But no, like check, check in with in. us. How about that? Check in with us. See how we're yeah, doing. Because these things affect you. I told you from the day we got married, I was like, congratulations. Now you get to be scared every single day of your life that your husband may not come home. Um, um, like, you know, those things are important, but like, I'm a, I'm a son-in-law, I'm a brother-in-law, you know, I'm a, a cousin-in-law, if that's a thing, <laughs> to a lot of your family member and nephew You're a gunkle. <laughs> I, like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I am, I am all of those things to your family and no one, not very many of them were con- concerned with my well-being or what, what's going on. Like, that is, uh sobering (laughs) right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's very very challenging um and just really quickly we also read um an article from the washington mm -hmm. post about uh racism in the lgbtq plus community which i loved this article so much yep Um, and so for those who don't know the the flag in philadelphia um the gay pride flag now has black and brown at the top mm -hmm. um to uh really um speak to i mean it's been around for years like i shouldn't say now like Mm -hmm. it's 2017 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but it it does go to signify like the importance of it and and other pride flags throughout the country have adopted this as well i think it's wonderful Mm -hmm. we don't have a pride flag actually and now that i've seen this one i want us to get Mm -hmm. one that's like that agreed um you know i think it's wonderful but um the article went into uh just you know a lot of information about um how there is racism in the queer community and if you look at the history of the queer struggle like it, everyone used to be called gay and then lesbians were like no we want it to be lesbian and gay because you're silencing women mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and then the same thing happened with bi people and trans people and the trans fight is still alive and well um you know but that now to include the racism in it and what i found interesting was that they said that yeah there is there is a prevalence of racism in the lgbtq plus community it's still not more than in the general population though mm-hmm. <laughs> well no and what i thought was so interesting um and i've joked about this and if you've ever read my twitter uh, uh account at all you'll see there's a lot of commentary regarding it but white gays are at the root of all of this right all of it yeah, we're the white, worst. White gays or cisgendered white males are at the root of all of this because, um, you know, there's there's a saying that says that the second most uh, uh, dangerous or problematic group of people in the country are black males um, because mm. black m- males have sought power for so long and because they know that they cannot uh gain power over white men what they do is they pick on people that they know are quote unquote lesser than them so that tends to be black females uh lgbtq community other races and things of that nature like weightism have, i'm sorry weight weightism weight all of it right mm-hmm. like they pick on everybody uh else that they consider lesser than them and that kind of is I, and i think the third most problematic group of people are white gay males mm-hmm. because again they have sought for so long the approval of white heterosexual people 
you know, men mainly. So they have no problem um, discriminating or being anti uh, a lot of other groups of people. Or secondary marginalization. Or secondary marginalized mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. at the cost of, of making themselves be superior. Um, and, it's and it also ignores the, the whole issue of intersectionality. Which is like key to the argument. Like the, there yeah. are distinct pieces to this, but there are so many points where they cross and that's such a critical part of it. Yeah. And to like reject that is just, it's dangerous. It's so dangerous. And there is so much racism in, in the gay community. Uh, the, the gay, I'm specifically talking about the gay community, but um, there's just so much. I told you some of the like commentary, the micro aggressions, the overt aggressions that were uh, races, uh, racially fueled in, in, you know, Florida when I was living there. Um, you know, talking like me, I'm just a chatty and, and conversational type person. You know, what kind of drink did you get? Oh, I'm not into black guys. And, uh, um, first of all, <laughs> what makes you think I was into you <laughs> at all? Cause you're not that cute. I was just asking what kind of drink you had. Like I was just trying to make friends or converse with people in the bar. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I have a really unpopular stance on it too, which is you shouldn't be able to filter by race on the dating apps. Like you just shouldn't be not able to at do all. That. that is, that is just reinforcing something. Like if you really supposedly have a preference, which I still think is just part of the subculture of the subculture is just getting to you and you just don't know it. Mm. But if you really feel that way, then fine. Don't tap on that one or don't look at that one. But for the app to let you filter it out, like that's just gross. Yeah. And that's not a popular opinion right now i hope one day it does become popular because it is just gross it is disgusting it's absolutely Mm -hmm. disgusting and so we're going to put the links to these articles in the show notes read them they're very good reads they're fascinating Um, they're very well written articles yeah i love them i mean the huff post and the washington post do very great jobs anyways but um i love them so check them out this wasn't as funny as i thought it would be but um it's important and knock knock (laughs) no not that um (laughs) Not that. Uh, yeah, no, but sometimes, look, sometimes we're we're going to talk about really important be. things. And mm-hmm. then sometimes, you know, we're going to split your sides. That sounds weird. Um, but uh, sometimes we're going to make you chertle in your cleavage. Um, right. And that will that will be a whole thing. But no, today we're talking about an important thing. And we would love to hear your stance. Not your stance, but your opinions or your thoughts on a lot of these things that are going on, especially within the LGBTQ plus community and mm-hmm. and and how racism is affecting it. Um, or, uh, you know, we we would love to hear your thoughts on all of it because uh, this is this is a thing. It's a thingy thing. All right, we're gonna take a short break, but Tony and I will be back in just a bit. Hey everyone, it's the Cretellis here with a quick reminder to head to your favorite podcast platform to rate and review Relationship. Yep, your five-star rating of the podcast helps make Relationship easy to find for those seeking the topics and information discussed in our episodes. So, when you have a few minutes to spare, please hop on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the podcast, and give us a five-star rating and a glowing review, telling potential listeners why you love the podcast so much. We cannot stress enough how vital reviews are for the success of the podcast. So please, 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 please take a few moments and write a personalized message saying what you enjoy about the show. We appreciate your continued love and support of us and relationship. Thanks in advance so very much. Bye. Bye. 
Hey everyone, it's your favorite podcast host, Tony. And Marco. If you haven't done so already, head to podrelationship.com for more Quartelli content related to the podcast. Check out our weekly hashtag queer relationship goals. Highlight a hashtag queer biz you love. Listen to episodes of the podcast. Check out the weekly blog, Relation Chat. Submit listener situations. Learn about upcoming events and giveaways. And sign up for our monthly newsletter. Podrelationship.com is a labor of love and our way of giving you all relationship content throughout the week. So head to podrelationships.com right now and get more Cretelli and relationship content you never knew you needed. See you all there. Bye. Bye. All right, so today's interview is such a special one because um, these guys not only were highlighted as a hashtag QRG on an episode of the podcast, but then they later joined us on, uh, I think it was, it was our March virtual meet and greet. Mm-hmm. And then soon after that, they got married. Um, and now they and are we got joining, to attend their virtual wedding. We went to their virtual wedding. Mm-hmm. We virtually attended their wedding. Correct. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, and now today they're joining us to chit chat with us. Um, so Eric and Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? We're great. Thanks for having us on. Doing good. Thank you, guys. It's such a pleasure to speak to you both. We quickly became such fans of you both. Um, you guys are adorable. I. Always, it's no secret. If you've listened to at least one episode of the podcast, I always any talk episode. about <laughs> any episode. Um, I am such a fan of interracial couples as it is. It's like my favorite thing in the world. Um, and so that was part of the reason why we highlighted you uh, as a hashtag QRG on one of the episodes. But then you both are just so sweet and so kind and so lovely. Um, and Tony and I quickly fell in love with you because of that, too. So um, <laughs> thank you. It's such, a, such a pleasure to speak with you today. Welcome, welcome. So uh, before we get started, we want you both to, in true relationship fashion, introduce each other to our listeners so they know who they're talking or listening to today. So Eric, we'll start with you. Why don't you introduce Ryan to us? Of course. Yeah. So uh, this is truly my better half, Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan Voss Orrington. And um, if you had the pleasure of meeting him or, or talking with him. He is one of the most giving, uh, nurturing folks that I've had the pleasure of meeting. And um, as I mentioned to him over the past month or so, he, he really is, he's fast to act and slow to anger, which mm. is what you want in a partner, right? You want someone who's going to jump right in, uh, is my ride or die, but also um, he's very slow to anger, and we can talk through a lot of different things. So, uh, teach kind me of your ways. Midwest, <laughs> Midwest. Teach me your ways, uh, <laughs> guy, if you will. Uh, so, kind of born here, but um, yeah, he's uh, you know, kind of a I wouldn't say type A. He works more so like in the kind of project management space, but also very low key. So, um, yeah, and I love him. Mm-hmm. That is so sweet. I and. <laughs> You the low key um the low key factor of Ryan is something I'm super fascinated by because you are like you have a presence about you but there's like a very like cool calm collected like like in the shadows kind of aspect about you that is like very endearing and also incredibly like 
you're the person that's like at the party that I would seek to go like talk to because <laughs> because everybody else is like crazy and talking and doing everything. But I'm like, who is this guy over here? Like, he seems fascinating. Let me go chat with him for a little bit. And uh, that, I, I'm I'm very fascinated by that. So I'm glad you said that, Eric. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. his personality is definitely low key. His his fashion is not. So <laughs> that's one of the things that he's going to run out of me. So um, one thing that I, I cannot skip mentioning about him is that he his spirit animal is a flamingo. So he loves color. He loves making a statement. And just over the course of our relationship, he's kind of helped me to embrace more kind of bold choices and and fashion. So, um, yeah, he's he's definitely a person who wants to kind of push boundaries from a standpoint. Um, We joke often that with our kids, I'll be the person who would enforce the rules and kind of tell them, here's the rules that we need to follow. And then Ryan will tell them why all the rules need to be broken. <laughs> oh my God. So Ryan, you are my new favorite. Them. Yeah, exactly. You're my new favorite person. <laughs> my new favorite person because you are very much me. <laughs> Which is, I love that. That is so, fa- I'm obsessed. That is awesome. Ryan, uh, why don't you introduce Eric to us? All right, so this is Eric Arrington, um, my new husband, but soulmate. Um, he's my Georgia boy and very uh, got the engineer analytical mind going, but so, so, so supportive, ride or die to all his friends and family, for sure, very close with his family. Um, but he's, you know, like... He also sort of said he's the one who sets the rules around the house, and I am the one who pushes the rules a little <laughs> bit, um, especially with our pop Lola. And uh, yeah, Eric just um, makes me laugh and makes me think about things differently than sort of how I have normally or always thought about things and just makes me a better person. Mm, I love it. I'm fascinated with Eric. You have such a cool, calming voice, like very like, I, it's not like monotone, but it's definitely ASMR for the most part. Like it's like very like calming and nice. Um, you're the friend that because I can t- like I feel as though that is like your normal state. Like you're like very just like even keeled. You're the friend that I would actively try to like get drunk and wild out because i would want to see <laughs> i would want to see like your crazy side every once in a while because i would want to see like where like when does eric get loud when does yep. eric <laughs> when does <laughs> when does eric become that person <laughs> just takes a couple drinks <laughs> don't tell him that you've been making them a cheap date <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with being a cheap date <laughs> i love that that is awesome so uh, we want to dive in and get to know a little bit more about like your background. So um, I, f- I forgot, Eric, that you were from Georgia, but tell us a little bit about uh, growing up in Georgia and what life was like for you. And when did you come upon your queer identity and how was sure. that for your family? Of course. Yeah. So um, being from Georgia to me kind of does tie in a lot with this week's topic in mm-hmm. terms of just the interracial relationships in general. So um, I was born and raised in central Georgia. And from a coming-of-age story, <laughs> I was in high school in the late 90s. Uh, so my high school makeup was about 60% Caucasian, 
say 7% African-American and 3% other. So not very, I would say, diverse in terms of it, it was pretty much white and black. Mm-hmm. But to kind of give you an idea, and you know, some of the listeners uh, may not know this or about the 90s, but when I was in high school and even a little bit after, some of the stories about people having separate proms was a real thing. Like that wow. really happened. <laughs> so luckily for my school, it wasn't a separate prom, but we did have um, separation. So, uh, you know, in the South, they integrated in the early 70s. So our high schools integrated, but we would have a white and a black prom uh, prom queen. And we also had uh, white and black superlatives. So when we went and we had to go and vote for the most attractive or the most likely to succeed, we voted along race lines. So that's disgusting. What? And there was there were so In many things, so many things wrong with this. So I was uh, a part of the student government in, in 1997. We had to present to the school to say, "Hey, do we think it's time to change this?" The administration was more so they we held that because it was the way it's always been which is never a good reason for anything never but they just kind of said well hey you know students if you guys want to change it present to the student body they'll take a vote and if they vote to just have one then we'll do that so we presented um there were you're the, the adults <laughs> i'm <laughs> yeah, sorry the adults. Like, you're the adults you're the <laughs> right. officials like right. what are you talking about anyway i'm yeah, sorry that's a good <laughs> point too it was kind of like uh well like you guys decide versus them saying this is how it's going to be is decide when we have to be at school and when we have to be out and how many credits we need to graduate, but you can't make the decision on whether or not we need to end the separation of races within right. the school. Like we yes. need to set up the student. Like that is mind-boggling to me. I'm yes. sorry. I did not. No, need to no problem. No problem. So we presented and luckily the the students all uh the majority, I won't say not all, but the majority voted to just go down to to one. Um, prom queen to go down to one superlative for the categories and you know um, that was it was a good thing to me seeing that the students wanted it the majority was was positive but looking at things without having racial separation is just a part of who I am right every since a young age I've always wanted to understand kind of why things were like that and to kind of break down those barriers but um but I was high school and then I went to college also in Georgia and then um, moved to Minnesota in 2005. So Minnesota was definitely a little different, uh, especially in Minneapolis area. But in terms of the culture and just uh, the climate from a conservative and liberal standpoint, then Minnesota was a, a better fit for me. And uh, so that part I really appreciated and, and liked being here was a lot more. I will say, <laughs> this is a, another interesting story. Um, when I was interning um, in Minneapolis, I was walking with another friend from Georgia. We're both African-Americans, and uh, we saw this couple, Caucasian couple, pushing um, a stroller with uh, um, with a black baby in it. And they walked past us, and we looked, you know, we kept going, and we turned and looked at each other, and we're like, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Like, do we call the cops? Like, that baby was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. So in terms <laughs> of, like, because... In the South, we don't see that a lot. Like, if people yeah. go, do adopt, they will try to adopt within their race to, mm-hmm. to make sure, I guess, for most senses, they don't have a lot of, like, the cultural clash or cultural challenges. But that's never been a part of Minnesota's, uh, of the Midwest. And I know in Ryan's family, they've uh, also had some adoptions that are different uh, races and cultures as well. So it's, it's very different here. So it's one of the things I liked about the Midwest. 
I, it's so fascinating that you said that because when I moved to New York, one of the things that was so confusing to me is walking around New York, you see these black women with these white children. And I was so confused. I was like, where are all these black people getting these white kids from? Like, what is happening right now? And then I quickly learned that they're, they're all the nannies mm-hmm. or, or in, of all these children. And that is what is going on. So I just thought that that was super fascinating. Um, but I can understand how that would be uh, bizarre or odd for you <laughs> to see. You're like, yeah. wait, I don't, I don't get what I'm seeing right now. Help me understand <laughs> yeah. this. Um, yeah. So when did you like in life when did at what point in time did you come to realize that you were into guys (laughs) yeah so it started uh also in high school (laughs) well i goes back to high school um so i first kind of started to notice the attraction with with guys uh, in terms of just um kind of feeling something different for when I would, would interact with different guys and I started definitely more of a, of a crush and not acting on anything in, in high school. Um, being in the South, we just we watched an interesting um, series, uh, Love, Victor. Yeah, and it's so good. So, mm-hmm. so definitely good. could um, identify with some of that because definitely had girlfriends and, and high school and things of that nature. Um, and the first time that for me... I started to kind of have an interaction with another male from a physical standpoint. Um, I was 23. So on the the backside of my college years. And um, that was from the standpoint is definitely kind of still exploring kind of what under trying to understand what this is and kind of um, still very shy and timid. I still remember this and hopefully this doesn't get into too much detail, but I remember um, when those type of interactions would happen, I would physically shake because I was so mm, nervous. Wow. So in terms of like this, the, the, the different feelings that I would have from a physical standpoint, emotional, I was like literally tremble. Um, mm. but, um, years later, probably I was late twenties, um, probably 27, 28, I started to go through an XUC, um, someone for, for help, just kind of processing this and kind of seeing what this would look like. So. Um, the, the lady I was seeing at the time, uh, was a lesbian. She and her partner, um, she helped to share some of her stories and help me kind of go through and look at some of mine. And her advice at the time was just, you know, explore and see what's out there. Like, you know, if you want to date guys, do that. If you want to date girls, do that. And just see how it feels. Like, there's nothing wrong with exploring. You're not going to hurt someone. Like, you know, if you were to go through and date a girl and figure out that you don't want to be um, in that relationship, like it's not the end of the world. Like they'll be mm. okay, but you need to understand how you feel about this. So that never happened. Um, I didn't <laughs> go down that road because I guess for me, it was also just, I did feel like I was going to be toying with someone's emotions if I was going to go through and do that. So I didn't want to go through and have that happen. But um, it was, so I was still go through and, and date, but it was also very, um, um, I guess uh, secretive and, and not really introducing a lot to my friends for a long time. Um, so it was a big struggle. So we'll get into how Ryan and I met, but um, it was interacting with Ryan and, and getting more into relationships into my 30s that I felt comfortable starting to introduce the men that I was dating to my friends. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Very fascinating. Um <laughs> Ryan, what about you? What was what was life like for 
a young Ryan and where did you grow up and all that good stuff? So I grew up in Southeast Wisconsin, um, kind of right in between Milwaukee and Chicago, mm-hmm. um, but still a very rural, small town and um, very, very white. <laughs> My high school, I went to a Catholic Catholic school growing up and uh, there was really no diversity unless somebody was adopted or a foreign exchange student. Mm. Um but uh, but my parents both worked in the cities, like in Milwaukee. So I was exposed to a lot of diff- people who were different than the people who I was living around or going to school with um, through their friends and work events. So, <clears throat> um, so yeah, so I grew up in Burlington, Wisconsin, um, went to the University of Minnesota and sort of continued to um hang out with people well, i was a design student so um hung out with a lot of people who were designers and very like interesting personalities um but i guess going back to burlington what eric said so one of my spirit animals or my spirit animals a flamingo and i guess i sort of have always identified with flamingos and that they are different and colorful and um i sort of was like that growing up i was kind of like that maybe not talked about rainbow sheep of the family, but I mm. was a dancer. I was in acting and I, and it wasn't a problem for my family or my friends, very supportive parents. You know, if I didn't want to play sports, I didn't have to play sports. Mm. Um, but I could still watch sports with my dad and hang out and with, you know, uncles and cousins. And I don't know, I never really experienced a lot of, um, people questioning, you know, who I was. They just enjoyed, I guess, me for for me growing up. So that, as far as coming into, like, my queer identity, it, it did take me a while, though, like Eric. So I did not actually come out until I was out of college. Um, and then once I did come out, though, I, you know, I, I very quickly introduced you know, people who I was seeing to my family because my family was super important to me and my re- my friends and my relationships are as well. So I always try to bring the two together as often as possible. Um, but again, I have super supportive like family and friends. And so I don't know, I didn't totally experience a lot of the uh, conflict um, like what Eric related to. Did. That's interesting. So you had supportive friends and family um, but you still came out a, a little bit later. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I don't, I think, I, I think I wanted what my parents had. Mm. And I, while I had a lot of, not a lot, I should say, but I was exposed to, um, interracial or inner, um, same sex couples who were like my parents, really close friends. They weren't married. Marriage, gay marriage wasn't a mm-hmm. thing and I really want and they didn't have kids right. and I really wanted you know uh to be married and to have kids and I thought I think for a long time I thought the only way I'm sure a lot of kids thought the only way to do that it would be to marry a you know for a little boy marry a woman and have kids and right just try to make all that work um with the feelings the uh, internal feelings that you're having um but then but then, you know, same-sex marriage became legal, and I don't know, I guess all that for me changed, and 
No, I'm I'm just going to say, isn't it super fascinating because uh, that's kind of what this podcast is about, right? Is that like we as queer people, we like grew up and we saw love, right? We saw Mm -hmm. a husband and a wife and we saw kids and, and, um, for some strange reason being gay, well, no, it's not strange, but being gay or queer, I should say, kind of led you to believe that you couldn't have any of those things that like it wasn't Mm -hmm. for us Um, and because it wasn't for us uh, a lot of the queer community is kind of anti-monogamy and or Mm -hmm. uh, settling down and doing those things and so but there's still this this group of us that really love that image like we love that story right the finding a partner being married having kids building a family Mm -hmm. um and yes the legalization of of gay marriage was super helpful for that because i think it like made all of our dreams come true all of a sudden we were like oh we can do this legally um but it it took a little bit of time for us to kind of get there right so that's actually a part of what i wanted to talk a little bit about was i wouldn't say it's like a microaggression but like Ryan's family, the, the small things they would do to to signal to him that it's okay, right? The fact that his parents had the same-sex um, couple friends and they would bring them around, right? Instead of trying to like hide them away, like you can't go talk to these people, like you should not go meet them. Mm-hmm. I think those are just, like just kind of small indicators. And from the the flip side uh, of that, um, so I had that in some fashion. Like some of my coworkers, as I was here in Minnesota, in my late twenties and thirties, they would invite me over to their house, and they would have same sex couples there. So it was a signal to me that hey, like this is okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like they're friends, and they would talk about attending a same sex wedding from their friends in high school. But um, on the flip side of that, I would also have family, um, you know, to talk to me like with the, the Supreme Court verdict in terms of legalizing uh, same-sex marriage, family members would call me and say, like, I can't believe what just happened. Like, this country is going the wrong direction, right? Mm-hmm. So so I hear those type of things. So just for, for listeners who may not be in the queer community, like, those, any small thing you do for, for people um, is a signal, right? It's, it kind of get picks up whether it's positive or negative in terms of how you feel and how we would be accepted. Yeah, I mean, I amen to that, Eric, because I remember, it, like, I get so frustrated uh, when family members say things like, "Oh, well, we always knew that you were gay," right? Like, and I'm like, "Good for you." It took me a while <laughs> to come around to it, mm-hmm. um, but you also did not create an environment in which that made me. feel feel comfortable enough to to come out mm-hmm. because I think about those micro conversations or things that they would say that they didn't know that I was paying attention to that made me feel as though being gay was like not okay. I remember uh, well a few things. One, I have a family member that is gay and apparently the entire family knew about it the entire time, but no one ever came to us mm-hmm. as children and let us know that that was what was going on so i didn't find out about it until what tony like thir- like 30 32 yeah. years old i'm like 36 you you, years old there was no talk about it but there's actually mm-hmm. four gay people in your family including you it's wow. insane mm-hmm. and so and but like had i known that this person was queer like in my childhood i could have had mm-hmm. 
someone to look up to, right? Mm-hmm. I could have had to, like, a gay mentor to talk right. to somebody of that nature, but everyone just kind of like didn't acknowledge it or didn't talk about it. And it was super bizarre. The second thing is I remember I was on a trip and a family member was talking to another one of my family members and they offhandedly just said, Oh, can you believe all the fags that are hanging out around here? And I was like super I was like, oh, like, ooh, like we just casually throw that out there like that. Like, oh, it's that's not okay. So again, mm-hmm. that put me further into the closet because you hear things like that and you're like, oh, I don't want my family member to talk about me like that. Like so, like, I'm not going to come out. So, those things well, are and like, perhaps equally as important is like, it's like the whole quiet being quietly anti racist thing. Like, you can't do that anymore. So, like, I know, like, <laughs> so my uh, step stepbrother's mother is a huge fan of us. Um, mm-hmm. And she really was all for like our relationship and wanted us to get married. But I remember I was in college and I was visiting um, her and she said, you know, I wouldn't care if my son was gay. I wouldn't care if anyone was gay. And I looked at her and I was like, you know, that's the first time you've actually said that. And it's probably really important to say mm-hmm. that more often and sooner. Mm-hmm. Like, because I know, like, I know right. for me, I didn't feel like I could come out in that home mm-hmm. at all. Um, and and conversations <laughs> like that never took place. So it's it's just as important not only to, you know, not be anti, but also to be publicly pro. Yeah, those things are important. It's great. Mm-hmm. And so oh, for I, sure. It's probably so different now with more mainstream television shows with characters. And while they're not perfect, you know, mm-hmm. yep. it helps. It's it's yeah. it's it's a, it's a channel, right? It like, drops in a bucket. Yeah, you know, Will and Grace may not necessarily be the best thing for the queer community, but it mm-hmm. also had a lot of straight a lot of straight people watched it, and mm-hmm. and afterwards felt like they needed a Jack McFarlane in their life in some capacity, you know? So like it, it, it helped just a teeny bit. I, I, I 100% agree, but, <laughs> but it helps just a teeny bit, which is super um, great. It, it, it's definitely beneficial. Um, I love that. So how did Eric and Ryan become a thing? Um, <laughs> yeah. When did you guys meet? How did that happen? Sure. Yeah. So I can start a little bit and then maybe I'll turn it over to you. So, we, we met online, we're on a dating app, and um, I reached out to Ryan, and he kind of, I think, didn't, it was a slow, I think I had to maybe kind of try a couple times to get his attention, <laughs> but um, eventually we were able to kind of start talking and just uh, chat it back and forth without like exchanging numbers and everything, and then um, it was... Uh, again we're both here in the minneapolis area and it was april and we said well hey let's meet up you know this upcoming weekend like this is the weekend that we decided to meet and and doing that um it was 60 degrees 60 degrees here uh kind of um early early spring early spring for minneapolis and um we made these plans and i remember i was at work and uh just the coworker on the elevator was saying, Hey, we're supposed to get 20 inches of snow this weekend. Now keep in mind, this is April <laughs> and uh, also <laughs> and Minneapolis. 60 degrees. And it's 60 degrees early in the week. So uh, I, I remember laughing at this guy when we told him he was going to get 20 inches of snow. And so we made our plans, and the week progresses. And sure enough, there's a blizzard in Minnesota in, in April, mid April. 
So I reached out to Ryan and said, hey, if you want to reschedule, we can definitely do this. Like, it's, it's not a problem if it's, a pro- you know, too much snow out or you're not, don't feel safe. But uh, in Minneapolis, we have a Skyway system. So what I was going to do was I was going to go down to our Skyway system, which is, again, fully covered, and then walk the Skyway. So that's what I was doing for, for exercise and just kind of a way to get out and, and stay active. Um, so... I asked Ryan if he still wanted to do it, and he said, I said "Yes, of course." <laughs> um, yeah, so we drove. I had to snowblow the driveway. Well, between me and my roommate, we probably did it five times that weekend. By the way, there was so much. Wow. wow. Um, but yeah, we went downtown, and I want—I do want to make a comment though. So Eric said I was slow to respond. <laughs> I was going to ask, <laughs> why do you think that was, Mister Arrington? I have no idea. He didn't have a profile picture. Oh. So I was like, Yeah, don't do really that. Really liking the comment, <laughs> you know, the conversation or like, you know, the messages. But I was like, oh, Who is this guy? Um, and he did send a picture. And then, of course, everything, you know, went well for there. But that's why I was slow to respond. <laughs> um, Eric left but, that detail out. <laughs> uh, yeah. I knew you were bringing it up. <laughs> um, but yeah, we met and we walked the skyways for a long time. I was very overdressed because I thought this was going to, I needed to look cute on this date. And Eric was very sporty because he wanted to close his, his uh, rings. Um, so, but yeah, but it was a great first date. We talked for a long time. That was like me and Tony when we first met. I was like super, I, it wasn't overdressed, but I'm always overdressed for everything that I go to. But I was like dressed. I like. Was, I was also dressed. No, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I had clothes on. <laughs> Tony, lo- Tony looked like he just rolled off the beach. So he had on like a tank top and like board shorts and flip flops. And his hair was like flying off his head. It was, um, and I was like dead. Like I had like gone home. I had like showered. I had like put myself together. You know, I was dressed. Um, so there's no way you would have thought that the two of us were <laughs> on a like potential date. Cause we just right. didn't look like we were going to the same place at all. <laughs> How many miles did we walk? Yeah. Probably four, probably at least four miles. In the and I was way. like in a vest and a flannel and jeans and <laughs> wow. not I mean, walking shoes. It made me think about the, um, the episode of March you guys did about the wardrobe shit, right. In terms mm-hmm. of just like, <laughs> and the same thing came up, Tony, in terms of like the tank top and the board shorts, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> flip flops. But yeah. I do think, I think that, you know, I was more of the mindset of Tony in this one. It's like, Hey, we said, we're going here to walk. Why would you not show up? And like tennis shoes and like you know something that's like breathable material why would you show up in <laughs> because we got to put our best foot forward like you got like Thankfully you gotta layers yeah <laughs> no, you gotta like do that um no but it's funny because and this is what's amazing about love right is you know you can dress and like put yourself together for your part but sometimes your partner doesn't even care about that stuff tony's like Mm -hmm, i love that you get dressed and i like that you want to look nice for me and things of that nature but at the end of the day like the best you look for to me is when you wake up in the morning and i'm like Mm -hmm. oh (laughs) oh i am not attractive early in the morning (laughs) but but tony 
Tony loves when it. When the sunlight hits you just right, maybe, you know, you can get the, the good light. always hits him right. I'm like, let me, <laughs> let me shower and brush my teeth. And he's like, no, I just want to cuddle. And, I'm like, and you know, so it just goes to show that, like, sometimes we we peacock, right? Like, we, mm-hmm. we put ourselves together so that we can, like, be the best version of ourselves for our partner. Sometimes our partner, like, or sometimes our partners are like, mm-hmm. I don't need all that. Like, like sweatpants t-shirt like that's the best and uh and that's lovely <laughs> mm-hmm. right that's super yeah. cute so oh. ours was a little unconventional meeting the fact that we met um on an app and then got married right because <laughs> i think the user people on apps don't have the intention of <laughs> true. Uh, going to relationship and getting married but it was you know some people they look for like introductions from friends or kind of like hey i think this person would be great you should meet and um that didn't happen for us, but after we met, we very quickly became comfortable with each other and started to meet. Oh, so we'll get a little bit into this too. So he was much faster introduced me to his friend group um, mm. and family than than I was. Uh, so we met April 2018, and then um, I met his parents in November 2018. They were in town, um, so he was just like, "Hey, would you mind eating, having breakfast with my family?" And they were fantastic. Just uh, you know, just very like to your earlier comment, like, how would you feel having introduced you know someone of a different race to your mm-hmm. parents? Right? Well, right? What does that feel like? Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we didn't really talk about. Did you? Do you have a thought process about or any reservations? Mm-mm. No, I. But I, you know, have dated many different types of men and uh races i guess how many i'm not gonna go <laughs> next question yeah <laughs> so it wasn't no it wasn't my parents are great when it comes to yeah. anybody they, yeah they were very welcoming that's Good. awesome i mean i Good. thought we moved fast because i met tony's family we started dating in august i met his family on thanksgiving November. Mm-hmm. literally wow. thanksgiving was my first wow. introduction to his yes. family and then you met my family months after that yeah. it was mm-hmm. yeah it was like april after like or i was still a concept to them yeah. yeah it was interesting <laughs> um yeah so you guys moved well so i have a few so, questions so my first okay. question is if you don't what app were you <laughs> did you both meet on if there's no legal ramifications around scruff Okay. There's an app called Scruff. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. And so, and this might be a personal question. You can say, Margo, I don't feel like answering that question, but you could, but what were your, because in- Tony and I talk about it all the time. Like we met on Adam for Adam when Adam for Adam was a chat room, chat room on the mm-hmm. computer. Like you had to be in front of your computer mm-hmm. to, to connect with one another. We very much so were getting on there not to hook up. I was on there to like meet other gay people because I had like one gay friend and he lived like 45 minutes away. And so I just wanted someone like another gay friend that was like closer. Tony had like come across the bridge from Tampa to St. Petersburg. So he was just looking for other gays in the area as well. Neither one of us were there for hookups. Mm -hmm. Was your intention on Scruff to like meet someone or to hook up or like what, like what was your everything? Yeah. A little bit of a, let's see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. For, for me, I think that Minneapolis, we do have um, like, first thursday so there's there's these different events where you can go off and meet like other gay professionals so uh, and i've done that before before we met and it was good to go and meet other people for me i was looking for more of the 
the dating aspect of it versus anything else. I wasn't just the universe is kind of like, hey, like, are you free in the next 10 minutes? It was more so like, hey, like, you know, do you want to hang out and, and go out and, and get to know each other? Yeah. I think I went into everything hoping that it was always going to be like dating. Yeah. Um, mm. Didn't always happen that way because some, a lot of people don't have the same mindset, but I just was sure. going to go with the flow, I guess, whatever the energy Eric was putting out, I was willing to. That's fair. To take and, you know, reciprocate. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. And, and, um, and y'all met in 2018 and got married in 2021. You guys moved pretty fast. So about we're that. supposed to get married in 2020. <laughs> so, yeah. so we met, I met his parents in November 2018. And then in 2019, um, going a little bit back into my, my kind of coming of age with being queer. So 2019, um, I'm 30, I was 38 at the time. And um, we, I talked to Ryan, we're just going to go, right? Because I already met his parents and he hasn't met a lot of my friends or family he's like well, we're, we're just gonna go um because otherwise he needs to cut bait right because he's like well if this isn't going anywhere like i don't want to waste my time sure. so um i told him i was like hey yeah uh, you know i have a trip coming up to go back home and i want to tell my parents before i tell other people right so before i go ahead and tell some some friends i want to tell talk to my my parents so i had a trip already planned to go home uh in may and i said i'm gonna do it then so in doing this, uh, Ryan and I were spending a lot of time together. So he was over at my apartment helping me get ready, helping me pack. So I get ready and I go down to uh, get everything, go to Georgia. And then I'm a big believer in kind of making sure you have the right time to give <laughs> uh, some news and kind of talk about things. So I was staying in Georgia for about a week and about halfway through the trip, I decided to talk to both my parents and tell them. And it just happened to be um, that they were together. They're divorced, but they still mm. get along very well. They help each other and they were in the same spot. So I was like, okay, this is it. <laughs> so um, I go and I'm getting ready to tell them. and. Um, Going back to the the trembling, uh, I was I was visibly nervous at this point. And my mom looked at me. And she says, "You know, hey, just you know, don't don't be nervous." And so I go and I and I tell them. And my dad's first response, um, and again, you know, both my parents are are, are black and grew up in, in Georgia their whole lives. Um, my dad didn't say anything. He just gave me a hug. Wow. His immediate response that. was to give me a hug. And um, my mom is, is heavily involved in, in the church. You know, she, her parents were, my granddad was a deacon. My grandmother was very involved with the church as well. My mom was um, our youth director at our church for very long. She's still very active in the church. Um, so I think that she had a little bit more to process from a mental standpoint in terms of, you know, this is my son, I love my son. This is what I know of my religion. This is what it says. And then how do I kind of reconcile these two? So I think my mom took a second. She didn't, you know, immediately hug me. But she kind of just let me know that she loved me and, and then gave me a hug. So um, that night we didn't, you know, talk a whole lot more about it. It just, you know, kind of let me know they loved me. And then um, the next morning we went to breakfast and, you know, because I wanted to give, I wanted to make sure I didn't just tell them and leave. So I had right. extra days for them if they wanted to talk about it. So my mom, you know, we definitely talked more than me and my dad. but. Um, 
you know, at the end of the day, uh, she was just, you know, one of the biggest supporters and, you know, was very ecstatic about the wedding. Uh, she came up and was, was helping out and with that. And, um, so it's interesting because now when I talk to my dad, like, I feel like he wants to talk to Ryan more than he wants to talk to me mm-hmm. <laughs> because, um, this was the summer of 2019. And as I was, you know, home getting ready to talk to my parents, I opened up my luggage and there's a card uh in my luggage and it was a card from ryan that you know he wrote just saying that he knew what i was about to do on that trip was going to be very difficult um and he wished that there was more that he could say or do but just to let me know that he was in my corner and the views of the family may change slightly but at the end of the day they love me and that's the same thing that they told me as well so mm. small things like that just kind of reaffirmed that um i was doing this at the right time with the right partner and um this really helped help me out so that was may and then in the summer and then june i started introducing ryan to more of my friends and then um i came out at work and just uh probably 2000 um 20, early 2020. And in terms of representation, there's another um, vice president of my company who identifies uh, as a gay male. He's also in an interracial relationship. His partner, um, they live in California and he's a Caucasian man. So um, I saw him speak in November 2019. And the fact that, you know, he had accomplished so much in his career and was very confident in being a, a gay man um, was like, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. So mm-hmm. 2020, um, uh, in the spring, I started to get more act- be more active in our Pride Network um, at our company and was more out and visible. Um, and then and it was just actually last October that I kind of came out to anyone who, who cared. Right? I got that Facebook listen, yeah. National Coming Out Day, kind of <laughs> like, hey, like this is who I am. Here's my partner. Here's our families. They're okay with it. If you're not, that's up to you to deal with. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, I, I did. Love so, it. I, Tony and I moved in together after a year, and I kind of did the same thing that you did, Eric, where I went to go visit. The, I needed to get away, and I went to go visit the family, and I was like, here's it. Because we had always had like mini conversations about it, but it was always <laughs> kind of like a concept, it, not a reality. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the reality of the fact was I was moving in with a partner. And so like <laughs> everyone needed to know this. So I like went up to Georgia. They live in uh, Georgia. And so I went to go visit them and uh, told them and very similar father hugged me and said, okay, sister was like, great. Mom was like, re- it again, it was religion based so what the bible says versus how she's supposed to feel um and and that was very interesting but um i was like i am i'm in love so here (laughs) it is like you know this is the thing so but uh i can 100 percent understand that Um, but yes you do things that you didn't think that you would do right but you take some big swings and some big steps yeah. And now my mom is our number one cheerleader. She's obsessed with Tony. She's like, I can't wait. She, I literally talked to her before we started recording this. And she was like, I can't mm-hmm. wait to get to work tomorrow to tell everyone in my job about my 
my son-in-law, Tony just got a, a really big promotion. So she's like, I can't wait to tell everyone about how he's, you know, going to be running New York and blah, 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 blah. And, I, and I'm like, okay, mom. Okay, mom. <laughs> so she loves him. Um, she's absolutely obsessed with him. And, and our fa- my family, my brother and sister adore Tony and, you know, they all get along. So it just takes time, right? It just, yeah. you got to give it time. But you guys were wearing... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, just, no, no, go ahead. So, Tony, were you wearing blue when you got this promotion? Was I wearing blue? <laughs> no. He, he made a comment about blue is is kind of like power, power color. The first interview was the blue uh, suit. Yes, there it you was. Go. <laughs> Very good memory, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> although, although unbeknownst to them, it was the classic working from home blue suit up top, shorts on the bottom. <laughs> I was. Hey, that works. Mortified. I was so angry. I was like, are you kidding me right now? I definitely was like, okay, let me make sure I have my water. Let me make sure I have my notes. Let me go to the bathroom because I do not want to get up from this. No. Uh, Yeah, so it was very fascinating, but that's awesome. And again, you guys moved very quickly, but and your wedding again was absolutely beautiful. You both looked amazing. I know that was all Ryan. Um, <laughs> the are not all Ryan. No. Oh, well done, wow. Eric. Oh, yeah, good job, well Eric. Done. Yeah. You both looked very dapper. So good. I, it was such a beautiful wedding, and we were yeah. so thankful to be a part of it uh, just virtually, you know, just being able to, <laughs> to see it. Um, I don't want to act as though we took any credit at anything that we we got we were guests virtual guests and it was wonderful to be there um and see you again first gay wedding that we've ever been to aside from ours um so uh any of our friends that are listening to this need to get on top of that so that we can attend your <laughs> yeah. gay wedding that's all right um they can reach out to us yeah <laughs> you all are so really quickly before we get out of here you <laughs> are two weeks out from being married about two weeks right Yep, two weeks. Yep. How does it feel? How does it feel being husbands? <laughs> it feels we were so we've been living together for 2019, so it'll be two yeah, years August. in September. September, yeah. Yeah, progress. Um, so from a home front, not a, a lot has has changed. I, I think the first time I referred to Ryan as my husband was actually at the wedding. We were uh, mm. wrapping up the night and, and kind of cleaning up and getting everything together. And I just kind of like, you know, shut it out. I was like, where's my husband? But it was great in terms of, and we had to travel and um, in terms of signing our marriage certificate, we just got our marriage certificate back at the end of last week. So, so that's sitting on the mantle. It's <laughs> official. Yeah. Cute. But um in terms of like the, the, the names and, and just traveling has been great. People are very welcome, especially in Palm Springs, California. In terms of the marriage, I think the oddest thing we had was we asked this lady to take a picture for us because we were at a resort that had live flamingos. So we wanted to take a picture mm, of the flamingos behind us. Of course, of course. <laughs> and then the lady who took our photo uh, wanted to know kind of what we were doing there and uh, we told her we just got married and she um Asked us for our Venmo so she could like buy us a round of drinks. Yeah. Which was, oh, was crazy. That's yeah. Nice. yeah, it was very nice. But, oh. um, yeah. What did you think about the? Because you, your name, you're changing your name. So I'm that, hyphenating my yeah. name. Yeah. So now I have a very, I'm going from three letters to like a thousand letters. Because um, you do have a very long last name, Eric. <laughs> 
as I was playing with some of my other friends, though, I think I I do have a law name. I will admit that. But uh, tell them about your other. We have to sign your whole name. Yeah. Well, I have two middle names too. So now I have like, it's like I'm like part of the royal names. family now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do. Um, I do too. And it's Roman Catholic, so they're all saints. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no, not so not a lot different. So I started wearing my wedding because we had to postpone from December to April. So I started wearing my wedding ring a little bit early just to like see how it felt. And I don't know, get used to it. Mm -hmm. And Eric would always be like, you're married. Like, we can't get married now. Um, (laughs) You're already already taken. But uh, Eric was the other man. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But no, in Palm Springs, I told everyone who had a pulse that we just got married and, you know, got spoiled by lots of people that you would have never expected. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. But it feels great just to know. You said in terms of the making things official and, and knowing that, I mean, there's... Um, I guess kind of a legal <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of ties into it. I think it's, it, it feels a sense of relief to know. And uh, we are on a surrogacy journey right mm-hmm. now. So we're trying to go through and making sure that uh, with the timing, it seems like probably end of the calendar year, we could probably potential um, be matched. So hopefully next fall, it'll be a bundle of joy kind of coming Y'all to our family as well. Y'all so move really fast. <laughs> <laughs> so the moving fast thing I think is part of our ages like we're both sure. you know i'm old. um <laughs> but i think we're just wrong with you know, knowing what you want yeah exactly like There's we've, we've made enough that. maybe not mistakes but dudes we've lived enough that we know what we want no i mean i now. totally get i try to push tony into like moving a lot faster and things than he wants to um i i because we waited seven years before we got married and this October, we will be married for five years, and we still don't have children. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I have to push him into doing a lot of things. But also at the same time, Tony, like, as I've learned with being with my husband for a little over 11 and a half years, like, he when he's when he knows he moves very quickly mm-hmm. um, he's very like into it so it's it's not that he doesn't know it's that he's just giving himself time and so mm-hmm. and i get that and and mm-hmm. as someone who's trying to learn how to like stop and smell the roses and like be in the moment and have a good time mm-hmm. just enjoying being married to him and this new life that we're building and and everything else will come when it comes mm-hmm. so and I'm very proud of you guys. Because again, when you know what you know, like good for you. I'm very excited for you. That is excited. We can't and wait. Congratulations to, again. To see the baby. Wonderful. Yeah. It's so wonderful. It is wonderful. So, so happy for you oh. both. Well, if our listeners want to follow your, because you, your Instagrams are very fascinating because y'all cook and you're cute together and all that stuff. So, and uh, if our listeners wanted to follow your journey through all of that. Uh, where can they find you on Instagram? So I'm more active on Instagram than Eric um, <laughs> right now. So I'm at MSP underscore beard. I used to have more facial hair. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm MSP underscore beard right now. Yeah. And if you just like the sprinkle of uh, social media, you can follow me. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, at O-R-R dot is dot it or is it 
I love it. <laughs> Eric and Ryan, it was such a pleasure speaking with both of you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We really enjoyed you. Um, and that'll do it. So we are going to take a short break, but Tony and I will be back in just a bit. So as we've shared with you all, Relationship got a bit of a facelift. Mm-hmm. It's no longer a weekly webisode on YouTube or IGTV. Now it's a weekly blog that will live on the website. Exactly. Every Friday, Tony will post a new blog to the website, giving some residual thoughts to the week's topics, epiphanies he's gathered, and ways he plans to use his newfound knowledge in our relationship. It's going to be a great way to let the message of the podcast linger just a bit longer for those of us who need some extra info. So make sure you head to podrelationship.com every Friday so you can read Tony's blog, Relationship. On the navigation bar on the left side, hover over Episodes, Move the arrow down to Relationship and click on it. Why? Because it will open up a whole world of content that will blow your mind and really get you to put your life and relationship into perspective. All right, now. <laughs> it's just a blog. Don't oversell it too much. Oh, sorry. I was practicing my self-help guru marketing spiel and got carried away. <laughs> wow. Well, who knew this uh, shitty little blog would have such endless potential? <laughs> See you all every Friday on podrelationship.com where my blog, Relationship, will live. And don't forget to comment or email and let us know what you think. See you soon. Bye. Bye. All righty, folks. Um, so before we get out of here, of course, we have some shit to put on your radar. Um, if you haven't already, I don't know why you want to continue to offend us. Oop. Not get a DNR Studios Plus subscription. Because for just $12.95 a month, you can have the opportunity to listen to this podcast days earlier than other listener. But you also get um, a really cool uh, bonus uh, segment from us at the end of the episode that is so much fun um so make sure you go to dnr studios uh and get a subscription so dnrstudios.com does that for you for 12.95 a month or you can pay 6.95 a month and uh it's specific to our podcast and it gets you access to the podcast earlier as well as that extra content that we were i was just talking about so do it right now dnrstudios.com um, and support us. Don't you guys want to support us? Don't you? The twelve ninety five gets you access to all their content. The six ninety five is just ours. All of it. Yes. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, um, I, we have been talking about it numerous times, but Parasso, Parasso, Parasso. So, for all your shaver beard needs, head to Parasso USA dot com right now for the best in Italian made grooming products. Uh, Offer code relationship fifteen at checkout gives you fifteen percent off your purchase. Um, so make sure you head there right now and check it out. Tony, is there anything that you're loving from Parasso right now that you want to tell our listeners about? No, I think they know what I like and how good it is. It's awesome. I'm brand loyal. <laughs> you are. Um, so lately, I've been shaving my head and face with um, this exclusive. It's like a web exclusive uh, assortment called uh, Single Blade. So it's like this really great shaving cream and pre-shave cream and aftershave balm that is meant to be used with like a single blade because it's so oily that like it'll clog a cartridge razor. But when I tell you that I use that and I get the closest, most amazing shave 
ever. It is like superior. It's so good. And it comes scented in all of your like those favorite scents in the beard line. So wooden spice, azure lime and cypress and vetiver. It is like absolutely amazing. And so I've been using cypress and vetiver and I'm addicted. And um I look amazing because of it. So head to parasso-usa.com and uh, you can check it out too. Offer code relationship15 at checkout for 15% off your purchase. Um, the very last thing I want to put on your radar is uh, I was made aware of this amazing uh, uh, man that he's a heterosexual man. Um, he's straight. Uh, he is he's heterosexual cis- and straight. Oh, shut up. Um, <laughs> he is uh, uh, based in Germany, and his name is Mark Bryan. Mark Bryan is a cross dresser. He is um, a person who cross dresses. I'm sorry. A person who cross-dresses? A person, a person, thank you for the correction, a person who cross-dresses. <laughs> but Mark Bryan is, like, so cool. He uh, is, I think he's, like, some sort of engineer. And one day he was just like, I think that I should be able to wear whatever the hell I want to wear. And, and should. there's something that is so fascinating about wearing, like, a skirt and heels um, that I'm, like, absolutely obsessed with. And he wears a skirt and heels. And wears, uh, and is like just very, like, so he wears skirts and heels, but then he like wears what would be considered male tops. And he goes to work every single day dressed like this. And when I tell you that homie has some of the best legs I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) And I love his fashion sense. The shoes that he picks out, the skirts and everything that he picks out are just absolutely incredible. Um, so you have to check him out on Instagram. He is at Mark. Brian M A R K B R Y A N 911 on Instagram and he is so cool Vogue Germany has um interviewed him he has been in the magazine like before he is just so cool he I'm just and I'm very fascinated by him and I just love all of this but this is what I love about being queer and although he would identify as a straight male um there's a queerness about this that is just so beautiful um and so I say like let's induct him like he's really cool I just am so fascinated by him I just love him so make sure you check him out on Instagram and that's all I've got for you Well, then that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in to The Relationship Podcast, part of the DNR Studios Network. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod Relationship. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us. And keep listening to Season 4, The Quattro. (laughs) If you have any relationship situations that you'd like help with on an upcoming episode of the show, leave us a voicemail at 903-POD-SHIT. That's 903-763-7448. You can also email us at relationshipsquestions at gmail.com or submit on our website, podrelationships.com. Be sure to check out Relationship, the blog on our website this Friday, where I'll muse a bit further on this week's topic. A special thank you to our Patreon members. We hope you enjoyed the behind-the-scenes interview with this week's guests. Tony and I will harass your ears next week. And remember to keep your shit together. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs>